0: this is the Running
1: Publix Training Tuesday. Training Tuesday is where we talk about training only. One topic. We dive deep. We explore it completely. It's training. It's Tuesday.
0: Training Tuesday.
1: Tuesday. 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 Hey
0: Bracken. Hey Kirk. Hey man, you're uh you're sitting a little funny there. I'm leaning. Why are you sitting a little funny there today?
1: Well, because I'm like officially 25 hours post-op.
0: That's right. You had your second knee surgery, didn't you? Mm-hmm.
1: Every second that ticks by, I'm healthier than I've been in years.
0: At the end of this podcast, you should be healed.
1: Basically. It's nice though, like there's a light at the end of the tunnel for a, for the first time in a long time.
0: Are we ever going to be able to leave this Bracken recovering from surgery or injury conversation? Is this the last one, do you think? Honestly,
1: if it's not, we're done talking about it. (laughs) It's depressing.
0: So how did it go, man? I saw your Instagram stories yesterday. Uh, I saw you took some recovery lead after your big operation. How are you feeling? Well, I had
1: to fast from midnight on and I didn't go into surgery until 145. So I was pretty depleted coming out. So hmm. I, I got 50 ounces of recovery leak down my gullet to help with the the rehydration and everything. And cause I wasn't hungry coming out, but I really, really needed to drink.
0: And how's your, well, I don't care about that. How's your knee feeling?
1: It's, it's, uh, Right from the start, range of motion, like extension, I'm almost at full extension and I was coming out, which I did not have last time. Last time I had two flaps that had to be taken off. This time there was the doctor's uh, quote to my wife because she couldn't come in because of COVID. She had to drop me off and then come pick me back up when I came to. Mm-hmm. So he he explained over the phone, he said, it was, a, it was a juicy tear. So he's going to be feeling much better when this thing heals. Wow. What does that mean? It was long and deep.
0: And that means juicy?
1: Juicy. It means it was, a, it was a real one. So only one tear, but it was big. And that explains why it felt different than the other one. But I have better range of motion, less overall pain. And I think most importantly, I just knew what to expect. So now like moving forward, nothing's a surprise. And my rehab plan last time was a a guess. And now it's based on experience.
0: How long do you think you've been dealing with these these? issues without really even acknowledging them
1: well if we go back my after my first when I graduated I went at one point I went 13 months without being able to jump more than once or twice a week because I had got undercut playing basketball my foot twisted under me and I sat down on it and I didn't run for like six or seven months Um, and and I was like whatever I'll never run again it's fine and I it, it took over a year before I could like I was coaching basketball where I could work out with the guys more than once in a week. So I did serious damage back then. And that was 2010 or 2011. Oh, So that could have been the start of all this. But then for sure, definitely my first time I noticed it and like it was significant was in 2018. Okay. Uh, late summer 2018. So sometime between 2010 and 2018 it started and it started impacting every step from 2018 on.
0: Well, it's about time you got that taken care of bracket, finally.
1: Yeah, and now they're both done. Like, I, I don't have any more menisci. <laughs> menisci,
0: Menis- meniscus. that sounds good. Um, I'll tell you what, if there was any time for anybody to go through a bunch of bullshit like this, uh, you got a little bit lucky in that one way, I would yep. say, considering.
1: I had my first surgery on February 28th, my second one on June 18th, and I missed one race. It's incredible. Isn't that bizarre? <laughs> you could have never predicted that. I'll probably be at 30 weeks. It's looking like 28 to 30 weeks of no running. I think I had 12 runs throughout those 30 weeks.
0: So how long until you can run uh, again?
1: Eight to 10 more weeks, I think, based on last time's recovery. Um, and it will. I'll miss a total of, if I started racing after those 12 weeks, 10 weeks, if I could, which I won't, but I would miss a total of one race. How bizarre is that to take 30 weeks off of your sport and miss one race? Bizarre. Like lightning striking. But rehab, I'm really looking forward to because I was just wrong last time. I I came in with a linear progression of recovery. And that's just, <laughs> I thought, I you know, day one, I'll be able to do this. As soon as I can do this, then the chain of events unravels. And day two, I will move on to this. And day 10, I'll be doing this. And I stuck to that rather than using... uh biofeedback markers and actual like testing results to show me when I'm actually ready. So I've completely undone that. And I have a a process in place that I'm looking forward to.
0: Uh, Last question, and then we'll move on. Um, Do you feel rushed in your comeback right now? Because there are some races in the fall, which we're going to get to folks. Or do you feel like you got all the time in the world? I
1: have, I think, finally learned from the last three years and four years of nonsense where there just is no rush. I feel pressured to make a podium this year to keep my decade, but I do not feel rushed to actually do it. I have some number, I did some pre-testing, single leg box squats, um, single leg quad extensions, um, weighted calf raises for weight and to exhaustion. And I will not run until I hit my pre-surgery numbers. And my two legs are within like a 5% difference of each other. And that's something I missed out on last time. I did it based on range of motion and pain, but my quad and my calf was just not ready mm-hmm. to support my running as is without even taking into account the internal damage that it had to overcompensate for. So those things, I don't have a timeline. I have numbers I need to hit.
0: That's fair. That means you're doing it smart. Mm-hmm.
1: And, and I finally use my resources better. You know, my sister going through ACL, PCL, MCL, you know, in one surgery. I've had three people in my family tear their meniscus. There, there's a lot of people in this, like in my community that I could bounce off of. And I kind of gleaned a lot from all of them. But that's it. Oh. It's time to move forward.
0: Well, I'm glad you're done with your second surgery, Bracken. Can't wait to have you back in action, brother. Ooh, can't wait. Now, but there is I, action coming. There is. Well, I I do have, I have one more question for ah. you. Um I haven't seen you sign up for the beer mile yet.
1: <laughs> no.
0: I, I yeah. can see the eventbrite back end page and you are not registered yet. What are you waiting for?
1: Well, I guess sticking to my own not rushing things. There's a chance I sign up the night before if I'm able to walk without pain at that point.
0: You're the problem. You know, you are the problem. Here's why. Folks, we have 24 people signed up for the burpee 10K and only 14 signed up for the beer mile right now. Okay. It's damn pathetic. And I've seen five times that post on social media about doing this thing. Um, if you're like me, if you're like Bracken who might sign up last minute for his own effing event, Bracken, get on there and sign up. I want to start being able to tell the people what's All right right. Like I'll brand. sign up. Sign up. Um just so we can we can get this all collected and understand what's going on right now as far as like uh some bigger names that you guys might recognize we have Ryan Kempson and possibly Aaron Newell committed to the beer mile we got Rich Ryan committed to the burpee 10k and the beer mile we got Mark Godet committed to the burpee 10k Forrest Bogue committed to the 10k Forrest Mark and Rich will be a really good battle
1: for the burpee 10k
0: Oh, I think it's gonna take. This is what this is the math we I'd done, but I think it's gonna take sub six minute pace running and a minute per twenty burpee average to win, which brings you to like forty nine thirty or something. So yeah, I think if you
1: break an hour, you're good. If you break fifty minutes, you're stud.
0: Oh, so if you break seventy minutes, I'll give you a damn good pat on the back. But I think it's gonna take sub fifty minutes to win that. And then, you know, by the looks of social media, we got Mr. Matt Mosman, who's really heavily entertaining this uh, beer mile. Yeah, he's sub six. He's the heavy favorite right now. Mm -hmm. But folks, do not forget, we have special prizes for those or select few who do not finish in the top three. So just because you're not going to win money, just because you're not going to get on the, you know, virtual podium doesn't mean this isn't worth your time.
1: Yeah. At this point, everyone's going to get a prize.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's not a participation trophy either. This is a real, these are real prizes. All right. Have we made that plug enough, Bracken? I think,
1: I think that was subtle. We slipped it under the radar.
0: (laughs) Very subtle. Yeah. Sign up folks. Okay. So we were chatting about what we wanted to talk about today, guys, and we were mowing over a number of things and we landed on this and we feel like it's timely. Um, From the back end uh, I'm on the Spartan pro team. Bracken is not on the Spartan pro te- team this year. Uh, so so by choice, by choice. But I get the back-end emails uh, from like the internal workings. And what it sounds like is that West Virginia will be happening, at least the best chance of any race happening to this point at the end of August. And then from there, it sounds like they're going to pick two more random race venues that are going to be allowed to happen to be the next two U.S. National Series races. So, and those have not been determined yet, but they're going to be based on states, uh, allowance of the events and yada, yada. So what it looks like is we're going to have a condensed season starting with West Virginia, which will be a beast that has been confirmed, not a sprint. And then two more random venues, potentially within a month to two month timeframe. So Bracken, it looks like we may have a condensed U.S. National Series in like two, maybe three months. And this is right up our alley now. So this is good. Mm-hmm. It makes me happy
1: for two reasons. Outside of the obvious that racing's back and people can stop crawling up the walls, going stir crazy. The first is that like we understand track season and cross country seasons, we understand two to three month race seasons. That's that's our wheelhouse. We we can train for that. The second is that it is great. It, it brings great relief to me um, and for everyone I coach, knowing that the beast is the first event. And that yeah. might sound backwards to people, but it screws up your season. To have to choose if you want to be in great 5k shape for a sprint or to to carry on train through that while building to the longer races for championships you don't have to choose with the beast being the first event you get to do your traditional build getting good two-hour race shape and then determine where you want to go from there because at the world stage milers build up to great two mile i mean two hour race shape over their off season they, they run their 70 to 90 mile weeks and then they cut down to speed you can always cut down to speed or sharpen to new events and so i'm excited that people get to build towards the beast and then branch off and decide what they're doing with the rest of their season
0: yeah and we don't know the length of the next two races And this is obviously still hearsay. Nothing is officially in stone and rules are constantly changing. So don't hold us to the fire if if this is incorrect. But it sounds like um, through a lot of discussion, this is sort of the tentative game plan. But I agree with you. If you're ready for the longer races, you're going to have all the fitness you need to sharpen down to a shorter race if they choose to throw supers or sprints in the mix. And the nice thing about this is that we're going to have a focused race period for the first time in Spartan history. Mm -hmm. Instead of having a six-month race season of races that matter, I think we're going to be able to condense this down to basically, if you're thinking Abu Dhabi in December, uh, West Virginia might as well be September 1st. It's so late in August. You're looking at like three and a half months from, from West Virginia to Abu Dhabi, which is like a real actual season that we've been begging for. And so Bracken and I thought we should chat out what the heck you should do now that we tentatively know what's happening.
1: Yeah, we did this when when quarantine first started but it was pure speculation we get a lot we gave a lot of different routes you could take to get there now you're coming down to choose your route like the routes are, are starting to narrow down together and, and we had talked before this there's probably three types of athletes out there the first are the people who, that have just been living they're doing whatever they feel like training wise maybe having fun maybe having drinks maybe doing the fair route you know so, somewhere along that and they now have something specific in mind to train for. So what do they do, Kirk?
0: Uh, you're, t- you're talking about the exerciser right now? The yeah, i talking about people exercise. that
1: didn't come into right now, June 19th, June 20th weekend, with a specific build plan. They've just been in a holding pattern, exercising, living the off-season life.
0: Yep, good question. So I believe you take one of two very – uh, different or, well, they'll end up the same route, but you take one of two paths. One, if you really have been training for months or and months on end, uh, not with purpose, but working, um, you either need to one, think about getting one last sort of deload week out of the way, uh, where you really reset. So, you know, uh, so you prepare your body for a big push to come, which is going to be like a nice build towards West Virginia, Or if you're really chomping at the bit and you've been feeling a little tubby and having a little too many drinks and you're ready for some work, then we start going into purposeful programming. Um, So if you're the one who's been just kind of floating through in a sense where you are running some days and you're not and you're lifting when you can and yada, yada, but there hasn't been a lot of rhyme or reason to your plan, I think you either deload right away if you feel like you could use it just a few nights extra sleep and maybe a little less stress throughout the week and then hammer some training building into West Virginia, or you go right into purposeful builds and recovery weeks leading in, which I think we got 10 weeks until West Virginia. That's the route I would go one of two routes. What about you? Same thing. I would, um, if you need a a down week, you
1: take it. And if you don't, I would get right into a mini test. I'd probably just choose one test to do since we don't have – all the time in the world, one good test, whether it's your mile or your 5k or an OCR sim that you have or a local climb or descent, whatever is your good fitness test, get it done, set your training metrics and get to work with one long extended build and come into West Virginia in the best shape you can be on that date.
0: Yeah. I think if you, if you're finding yourself feeling tired often or more days than not, it's actually the boat I found myself in uh, recently and I'm not sure why, but I decided to take a deload week just to make sure I'm good, fresh, ready to go. Because the last thing you want to do is be pushing through maybe some fatigue right now and then have to keep that going for another 10 weeks until we race. You could potentially hit West Virginia flat, which you don't want to do. Um, again, if you're in the boat where you're looking for structure, then uh, then it's time to build that purposeful plan, which we're going to sort of outline for you. And now real quick, let's just touch on the two other types, the yeah. types. One, the type who has just been ho hum, poor me, and hasn't been able to get their shit together because they don't have races in sight, and then two, I see some people out there doing some epic shit right now yep. who are pounding the miles. So I think we should walk through one by one and outline what our opinion is on how to approach this, you know,
1: this season we potentially have coming up. So the the people that ha- that are out of shape right now, they really only have one choice, and that <laughs> get into shape in the most sensible style possible you build what you can build and you get to west virginia in one piece but with your fitness being built you basically look at this this is now your your preseason build that you are the, the kid who came off of a. Uh, uh you're at the you're part way through summer you're halfway through summer you realize you only have got uh 45 days 50 days left of summer and cross country starts up in fall and now it's like well i just need to arrive to the start of cross country in good enough shape to handle the training that's going to come next. And so that's what you're doing now. You're putting in the training now so that you can put in the real training after West Virginia. And you prioritize time on feet and you still keep those things in that we preach about all the time. Maintaining some strides, doing some OCR finishers, getting your lifting going, getting your long run going, but you are putting your pieces into play now so that you can sharpen later. I think that's the only route.
0: Yeah, if you haven't been running or training, uh now's the time to start if that's the boat you're in and nine to ten weeks bracken especially if you've been training intermittently throughout your life is enough time to show up and still race respectively oh yeah so it's not like right so it's not like you're you're wasting your time by getting going right now you could show up and potentially have the best race of your life still if you get started like this week so get the ball rolling it's not all for not and especially because
1: west virginia rewards overall fitness It's not like Tahoe, where you have to have a serious amount of uphill and downhill work under your belt, or let's say a Jacksonville, I mean, a Florida beast, where you just have to be really, really fast and have great endurance. It rewards being able to switch systems, uphill, short downhill, off-road, on-road, swim, carries. It rewards all of that, and that can be built in more ways than just being a monster runner. And so you get to just take your gradual build up and keep hitting your strength work and do some of your OCR work and get there ready to, to work for a couple hours.
0: Yep. Yeah. And, and even if let's say West Virginia doesn't happen, which it sounds like it will, I would say that the Florida race this, you know, two weeks ago or this past weekend was proof that Spartan is going to do everything they can to make these races happen. So for chance that West Virginia doesn't happen, Spartan will patch job a U.S. National Series, it sounds like, to all their power in September sometime or or October sometime. So regardless, even what we're talking about, West Virginia, which, again, all signs point to it happening, this is all like basically relative right now, no matter what. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And this is the perfect base building time for people who don't have their base built up because West Virginia, of any beast distance venue that I can think of is the best distance to prepare you for the rest of your year. It is steep enough at times that it will get you the base work in to prepare for mountain racing. It is flat enough at times it'll get you the base work in that you can transition into fast work for Dubai later on or Abu Dhabi. And it is technical enough that it gets you having to work off road a little bit. It has a lot of obstacles. The carries are real. They have the swims. It's it's the jack of all trades course. And so no matter what your goal is for the rest of the season, this is the safest race to prepare for in the meantime, because you have to dip your foot into every little bit of water to get ready for this one. It's not like, well, the first race of the year is Big Bear, and there's only one way to get ready for Big Bear, but it doesn't necessarily translate well to Abu Dhabi later. This is Mm -hmm. the greatest one that you could say, hey, this is just an off-season build. Get to West Virginia, test everything out. I know I'm not going to be in the best shape, but I'm going to get there and not cramp, and then I can get specific from here on out for the rest of my series.
0: You know, I was having a conversation on Instagram with Ryan Kempson this morning. Uh, I think he responded to my story or something, and then this started. But he had said, you know, Killington is still on the ultra 24-hour, and Killington happens to be when? In September? Mm -hmm. I believe mid-late September. And he said, well, you know, the chances, like, if, if this race is still happening and Killington being an epic course, it would only make sense that potentially they slapped a U.S. National Series race in Killington. And I started to think about, it. and I said, well, God, that would be genius on Spartan's behalf. Cause they've already got all that, the network set up there. So we could have some pretty Epic mountain gnarly races still coming up, which could be a memorable season no matter what. Yeah. So, yeah. So I just thought that was an interesting thought there. Um, so let's just chat then. So if you are this uh, deconditioned athlete and it's time to go, uh, first thing you said is prioritize time on feet which I agree with, like get running and get running consistent, whatever, you know, you can handle three, four, five, even better days, days per week. And do you jump right into quality work bracket? Or do you uh, just prioritize just spending time right now?
1: I would do at least one up tempo run per week. I, I would call it some sort of threshold work. I just believe that that can accelerate your base building process without compromising anything. However, If you want to do more, I don't see an issue. I don't personally have an issue with starting some quality earlier. Um, Granted, you have some fitness built up, but I would, in looking that maybe Keelington gets on there and knowing that West Virginia is hilly and in knowing that it's the least stressful way on your body of training, I would do any quality you do uphill. You're not taking a pounding. You're not stressing bones and ligaments and joints and muscles the same way. And so if you have to do some quality or you're going to do some threshold work, I suggest hill work. It is the best base building quality work you can do in my opinion. And it's safe. And again, the thing we want to do is set you up for the rest of the season as abbreviated as it may be.
0: Mm -hmm. I'm going to just throw another name out there. I was chatting with, or I was listening to the Reinforced Running podcast this morning with uh, Rich Ryan. It's a good podcast. You guys should check out Reinforced Running, but his guest is Brian Gwiski this week on Tuesday. Brian's getting some love. Brian, and he deserves it because Brian's a good dude, hardworking, but Brian got a Nordic NordicTrack uh, treadmill this last like six or eight months. And so in his interview with Rich Ryan, they talked about his use of incline trainer and how it translated to his speed. So he was doing two weeks of incline intense work in the like two to three minute range, just hard stuff. And then every third week he would go out on flats and he found that his flat intervals were continuing to get faster and faster, even though the two weeks in between, he was only doing incline work. And it just it just like is another testament to the fact like it's okay to do incline work and get those climbing legs prepped now because it'll translate to any other race you choose too. And Ryan just outlined that really nicely on that podcast. So I agree with you in the fact that you might as well start the uphill work right away. And if you're a flatlander, find your local ski hill, find your old garbage dump that got covered with dirt, do whatever you got to do to find some gain because – Um, it looks like things are going to head that direction this fall. And why would you want to be behind the eight ball and start in August when it's too late? Like now is the foundation period. So for you guys avoiding incline, um, I think it's time to time to get on that. And West Virginia has a couple, three, 400 foot climbs. Mm -hmm. I think last year back in my garments that I gained like 3,900 feet over that beast distance. That is the, as much as Tahoe, it's just broken up.
1: Yeah. It is a mountain race in segments.
0: Correct. So For those of you thinking about getting back, chopping at the bit, West Virginia, um, it's a mountain race, hands down.
1: We would rather train for a mountain race and run a road 5K than than train for a road 5K and run a mountain race.
0: Well, you'd set yourself up to just get crushed in that mountain race no matter what.
1: And you can transition to flat speed so much quicker than you can translate to mountain wheels. So, yeah, that's what I would do. Anything else about this out of shape group we want to talk about other than regret?
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, no shit. Uh, more is not always more for you out of shape group, meaning don't compare yourself to others. Don't be looking on Strava and thinking you need to go run 60 miles a week right away. Build smart, still take deload weeks every, I would recommend second, third or fourth week and, and actually have some purpose um, to your training, but don't just continue to lap on more and more. If you're really that deconditioned right now, or you haven't been putting that pounding on feet a recipe for injury is to get all excited and go right back into the training you used to do. So just make sure you're smart about that. That's all I have to add to that. Yeah.
1: And if you need, if you'd really need to hit your volume, then you do it in time. You spend, yep. you fill your time with biking and hiking and tire dragging. And as you, your fitness rises and your resistance to injury rises, then you keep the time and you start replacing more and more of it with actual running.
0: Yep. So the opposite end of the spectrum now, I'm just, you know, we're just name dropping, I guess, or I am at least looking at social media and everybody's, you know, highlight reels that they love to brag about. Um, you got like the Aaron Newells and the Ryan Kempsons who are putting in 12 hour days in the mountains. You have Ryan Atkins who just set the world record for climbing and descending Everest. Um, you have Joshua Reed who went out for a five hour FKT in the Catskills or the Appalachians. You have these people doing these freaking awesome epic things. And they're just going to be trash. And you people who are really motivated right now, like I want to pat you on the back and you've been diligent and you've been training hard and damn it, like bless you. But what do you do now? Like that will pay off. But can you sustain that through West Virginia? My opinion is no. What about you, Brack?
1: It will pay off as long as they do what I'm sure all of them are going to do. is Correct. recover and then refine. They're going to refocus on the season now they, they've done this huge incredible offseason they've really extended their ability to work hard for in crazy distances and intensities and their mental game is so strong and now all you have to do is take the famous kirk DeWitt deload week and then you start up with specificity you they they're going to pick out exactly what they're prepping for so some are going to try to come out and win West Virginia or show up on that podium. And some are going to try to get ready for Abu Dhabi, but whatever it is, they're going to start up with specificity of training. No more like huge multi-hour efforts more than once a week, no more just aimless trail exploration. It will now be quality days, recovery days, easy days, and starting to be specific with the terrain they choose and why.
0: Yeah, You're seeing everybody. What I'm going to say, get it out of their system, guys. Like I know all of you follow these athletes on social media, and I'm guilty of it as well, going 37 miles on my 37th birthday, for example, which I realized really sat in my legs way longer than I thought. If I could have went back, I would have taken two full weeks off after that because it just delayed my recovery process, but uh, point being is you're seeing these guys get it out of their system, get their exciting things checked off the list because they can anticipate the race season ahead. John Yatskow a few weeks ago put it perfectly, uh, unintentionally, when he said, I was going out and running 30 to 50 miles in the mountains on the weekends for long runs, and then he came back to his cross-country season in the fall and he wasn't performing because he just couldn't find those gears anymore. These guys have kind of gotten it out of their system. They They understand that it's time to put some focus into their training and i know um just seeing stuff were tagged in brack and i see a lot of our listeners doing some pretty epic stuff out yeah, in the mountains as it's well. not just the pros it's not it's just everyone. the pros it is right i have even
1: programmed some strava blocks recently 8 10 week strava blocks where people are going after their koms or going after their own personal uh best times on it and it was just every week We go long route, short route, long route, short route for six, eight weeks and just going after stuff to have some fire and training. It's everybody and it's awesome. But now it's time to get away from fun exploration and pain to specificity.
0: I agree 100%. If you need, if you have those itches that need to be scratched, get them out of the way at the very end, guys, by the middle of July as far as that long stuff goes i got a couple of athletes who are doing some crazy thing on uh, some ventures but no later than the middle of july maybe when utah should have been which is like july 18th i would not push anything further than that than these big ventures that's only going to sit me longer and delay kind of the training you need for west virginia um i don't know if you have a thought on that but that's that's what i'm kind of directing my guys
1: no i think that's perfect and i think that the 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 worry some people might have is getting too specific too early and I think the great part about it being a beast and it being West Virginia, where you need climbing and speed, is that you can get as specific as you want. You can have this great big build and a peak for that, and you're not going to throw yourself off for the rest of your season because what is the maximum speed needed for West Virginia on the flats? Maybe 10K speed? No. Um. You started out hot, but after the first mile or two, like, yeah,
0: we got those gradual, like, five percent grade downhills that really let you open up, but it's a downhill. So, I would say 10k speed is accurate. That's the zone you're going to be working in.
1: Yeah, it's 10k speed and it's half marathon efforts throughout the rest of it. And your climbing is all going to happen at your upper limit of your threshold. And so, like, you can't burn out on threshold work in 10 weeks unless you're doing it five times a week. And 10k speed, you can work all year round. So, basically, you're prepping for. It's, it's weird. You're prepping for a marathon and a 10K at the same time because it's marathon duration almost, but it's 10K intensity a lot of the time. But those two realms, the, everything at the, at, in between those two ends of the spectrum, like that that's not burnout city. So get specific, like pull up the GPS files from past years, prep for that exact terrain, prep for that elevation gain. No, I need to be able to climb at this rate and descend at this rate and run the flats at this rate and build your workouts around it. And that's that's not going to burn you out it just won't
0: well what i guess you just strike the question that we should address what is burnout city as you call it what what would lead us at this point in in our year to burnout city when we don't want to be in burnout city
1: i think the only way to burn out is to work too intensely too many times without adequate recovery i mean even if you worked at mile or 3k or 5k speeds and in intensity if you did it every 5 days with nothing but easy in between, you would not peak or burn out. Mm -hmm. You did it two or three times a week at mile and 5k. You got three to four, maybe five weeks in you before you start to peak. And after you peak, you burn out. But other than that, I don't think we have to worry about it. I think that if you are running your 10k and slower work and you're taking recovery in between your, your big efforts that you have nothing to worry about, it's when you get VO2 max or harder consistently that you're on borrowed time.
0: Consistently once per week, consistently twice per week. What would be too much?
1: I think twice. You don't want to be doing it twice per week at this point. I think you could do VO2 max effort at this point if you're in shape. You you say you've been doing your big build and everything, and you're already in shape. You don't need base building. You could do it once per week from here till then if you wanted to um you might be better off doing it every other week or every 10 days but you could probably do that as long as you're not overcooking the rest of your week that's all mm-hmm. the balancing act if you're going to do a lot of 5k or 3k paste work that's like what you believe in extreme polarized training then you just balance out the rest of your week
0: mm-hmm. but no, okay. you
1: not do it more than once per week that is that's is an absolute for me right now yep
0: yeah, yeah i agree with you and does uh you touched on it but And I guess we're diving into specifics and we haven't even covered all our bases of situations where runners could be in. But threshold work, start throwing that in right away. For
1: these people, absolutely.
0: Yep, for these people. Yeah, I would
1: probably start at threshold and build um, some 10K and maybe towards the end some 5K stuff in there. But I'd keep threshold the whole way through because that's your... That's your moneymaker for these races, and it sets you up to go wherever you want after this. Unless you are building to win this race, I wouldn't leave Threshold behind. If I was building to win this, I'd drop down and do a VO2 max block. It'd be uphill for most of it and downhill Mm -hmm. for my last three weeks beforehand. But um, Threshold and 10K, I think, will take you all the way to the finish line of this race.
0: Yes, sir, it will. So we're emphasizing that if you're the ones who've been doing epically rad shit and cool stuff checking off your bucket list or chasing FKTs or spending hours in the mountains. Um, first of all, if you're doing those kind of efforts, you probably already know this, but it's time to recover and then build with purpose. Um, I think we kind of covered that. All right. Don't you Bracken? Yeah. So we started this conversation with like the exerciser, you know, as we could like to claim, like, you're not really training with purpose. Let's say our interview with Faye last week, she's kind of in that exercising mode, maybe a little bit more on the training side of things, but, um, so what, like, let's dive more into that person because I feel like the most common person right now is that person. Their motivation is somewhat low. They've been running as to how they feel. And what what do they do? It's
1: honestly probably not too much different other than it might take them an uh, extra week or two to begin it. I'd get two weeks of real, of the volume you want to hit throughout it in with probably a tempo work throughout it, a threshold that workout. And then I'd probably bump up to th- two threshold works two threshold workouts per week for the next three or four weeks and just really hone in on that zone while extending time on feet throughout the week, building up the long run. One of my threshold workouts would probably be in the long run. And I, maybe even if they were a little more out of shape, I'd alternate weeks where one week would be a threshold workout and then an easy long run. And the next week would be threshold workout and more of a workout long run. And I would do that for three or four weeks, take another little down week and then start, then they could get to their 10k and threshold balanced out.
0: Well, for some of our newer listeners or just to refresh people, when you say like threshold work, which we just are throwing around, what would be some examples of like threshold work that you could tell them?
1: Uh, It could be as simple as running 20 to 40 minutes at a high heart rate, breathing fast and never gasping, flat, uphill, whatever. It could be cruise intervals. You could be doing 800s, thousands, miles with like 30 to 45 seconds rest in between keeping it again, just never gasping. Threshold work means never gasping um but i would if we have newer listeners i would i would refer them back to our running definitions our running terms podcast this is a great time to refresh yourself on the different type of workouts that are out there what they mean why you do them and when you do them
0: yeah and so i i suggest at any period and we're going to actually dive into this in some future episodes but building with purpose you know this athlete who's been just exercising should build with purpose for let's say three weeks and really build up some fatigue. Maybe their legs start to feel like real garbage towards the end of that third week and then deload and then build and deload. That athlete should just go and put more stressors on their body so that they earn a recovery or a deload week and sort of get repeat into that cycle, time it out right with the race. But starting to actually count back at this stage, what I like to do, and Bracken, I know you do the same, is I'll pull out, you know, my notepad and okay, Ground zero is West Virginia, and then I will write my training backwards. Yeah, in a build that way, and so a lot of people do it the opposite. They like, look, what's today, and then they think, what am I going to do next week, and what am I going to do the week after that? And they kind of wing it as they go. And sure, if you know what you're doing, maybe you can get away with it. But I really think writing out and building out that training plan from race day backwards, and you kind of taught me this too, and it works way better. Uh, this way is is get out your calendar and start thinking out think about it. write your key workouts in those three weeks leading into West Virginia, the six weeks out, the nine weeks out. I would start thinking about doing that right now if you care about your performance there.
1: I agree. And how specific you get is determined by what shape you're in right now the the Newells, the Kempsons of the world who are in obviously great shape, but, Haven't been doing the specificity, they're the ones that could really get specific during this time and arrive at race day. Like, I'm here to win the race. And those who have been exercising and are in good shape, but aren't in racing shape, they're the ones that will get to say, Hey, my goal is to get there and be able to um, work hard the entire time, whatever that means for you. And you build back from that. Like, I need to be able to work hard for 13 miles and three hours. Maybe that's what your goal is. And then you have the people who are out of shape and this is their kick in the butt to get going. And your goal is to finish the race without cramping. And you need to be able to move the entire time. And that's your goal you work backwards from. All right, I need to be able to run for three hours by the end of this block. I don't need to be able to race for that time, but I want to run on nasty terrain for three hours without cramping. And you build back from that.
0: I also think something that we touched on a couple weeks ago is relevant to bring up now. And I will say, I'm going to just, you know, eyeball this and say at least 50% of people are not uh, incorporating their carry work yet. And West Virginia, I mean, a couple of years, they had some brutal log carries, some brutal double sandbags. This last year was two sandbags, although they were both singles, they were, you know, decently challenging. You will hit a carry that is somewhat like soul sucking in West Virginia. And so we got to start thinking about incorporating those work those workouts back into our program as well it's time to start getting specific you've had your fun you've chased you know passion projects and that's fantastic that's setting you up for success Um, but it's it's time to actually start doing some of that non-glorious work
1: regardless of which camp you're in I would not do more than a 50-50 split where the first half of it is building the skill and the engine necessary and the second half is pairing it to OCR specific work. So like no matter who you are, I wouldn't leave it more than four or five weeks out from race day before I start transitioning to actual compromised running and heavy carry workouts and the off-road hill repeats and the, the
0: like. Those people are going to start incorporating their compromise run workouts on July 4th, Bracken.
1: Yes, they are. During the
0: burpee 10K and the beer mile, that is the ultimate compromise run. Did you watch that that video of Matt Mosman and his beer mile? I loved that he got audio the whole time. Dude, it was just amazing. And all you just kept
1: hearing was, oh, 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 man. (laughs) Just all the guttural grunting and burping.
0: It was fantastic. So as far as all this goes, do we need to cover any other – any other aspects of camps or buildups? Do you have anything else we want to add? I know we're giving generalizations, guys, but I think what we're trying to do is just get your wheels turning. Like, you should make a concrete decision about what you're doing with your training, like within this next week or two. Like, you need to have like clear purpose to your training, regardless, because races are going to start resuming uh, August, September. So that's what we want to get across.
1: And, and I do want to highlight the fact that West Virginia might not be your goal. Mm -hmm. but it marks the start of your goal season. So even if you don't care about what happens at West Virginia, if your goal is the championship season or doing well at the whole series or whatever, it's the perfect check-in because again, it has hills, it has flats, it has technical, it has smooth, it has carries, it has swims. You're going to come out of there knowing exactly what you need to know. So even if you don't plan on being super sharp when you get to West Virginia, it's important to take the race seriously and implement whatever training plan you have. Let's say you're prepping for Abu Dhabi. Or you're prepping for Killington or whatever it is put that first round of training in before and use this as your big culmination test of that block of training because it's going to give you the feedback you need you if you are training for Killington West Virginia has enough steep through the woods bushwhacky climbs to let you know if your legs are on the right route for getting to Killington and if you're training for Abu Dhabi it has enough flat slightly descent descending or rising roads that you're going to also know like are my wheels where they need to be? So whether you're using this as your, this is a big race for me, or this is a big check-in, take it seriously.
0: Yeah, and I think everybody should go experience the West Virginia course. I think it's the most balanced course uh, in the US. It kind of just is a level playing field, not at altitude, enough climbing, enough flats, enough bushwhacking, legit or at least honest carries, um, sometimes slick terrain. It's just a fantastic balance. And if you're not comfortable flying, Sounds like a lot of the pros are making road trips out there. Like like take the road trip, enjoy beautiful West Virginia and make a trip out of it because I, I, it doesn't favor me as much as some other courses out there, but regardless as to that, I enjoy it so much that it's my favorite course in the country.
1: I used to say that if I could choose any course I've ever raced for a world championship, it would probably, probably be Glen Rose, Texas. I'd make a super out there in amongst Mm -hmm. the foothills. Uh, now it's it's Glengine, West Virginia. This course, I would make a super distance in this West Virginia venue. And that would be my test of all aspects of obstacle racing. It's, it's a course that needs to be experienced if you are a lover of the sport.
0: I think the true cream rises to the top in West Virginia. Uh, it balances out all aspects of fitness in this sport that you can be good at. Mm-hmm. And so I just think it's just such an honest, honest course without any favoritism at all, no matter where you live, how you train, you can make it work for that course. And it's, so it's just a good one.
1: Absolutely. You will not have someone with one massive skill that runs away from everyone else, unless that skill is just having the best engine. (laughs) Right. Right. You know, like a prime Novakovich couldn't come here and just climb everyone out of the water. And uh, someone who lives at high altitude, can't come in and out altitude them. And um, like, some of the time we get these really, really fast runners who aren't great at off-road. Like you can't do any one thing. You have to mm-hmm. you have to have it all.
0: A Luna Lima's descents only yep. help him so much in bushwhacky terrain. It's right. It's why Gillian,
1: Atkins, Hobie, like every year they do well there. Woods. It's it's why those people all do well is because it rewards being great.
0: Yeah. And those are guys that run really fast on the flat races and run really fast in the mountains and it balances all out and you don't have a clear Clear, uh, yeah, clear dis- difference there. So um, you're not going to be there, are you, Bracken?
1: You know, I don't know. I won't be racing. I know that. But I'd really like to go out. I don't know if it's going to happen, but I, I wouldn't mind taking, I plan on taking a road trip out there and doing it. Back when I was only going to have one knee surgery, West Virginia was, uh, I was going to, I was hoping to do the Illinois Super as a tune-up and then go out to West Virginia as my quote-unquote comeback race. Um, and I was going to road trip out. So maybe, maybe I still do. We'll see how everything's looking.
0: How far is the drive?
1: I think it's like 12 or 13.
0: Oh, it's that far for you. So that means it'd be Maybe like. 10.
1: I'm not sure. I haven't looked in a while. Mm.
0: And Illinois Super's not happening anymore, right? Nope. Do you know, I mean, I'm trying to pay attention here uh, as best I can, but do, do we know any race that's for sure happening before West Virginia? Have they, have you seen anything?
1: No, no. Even things like Race, yeah. which said like we are on, we are happening. They just canceled their Illinois race.
0: They did. I just had a, I just put that on an athlete's calendar.
1: Yeah. Now Uh, maybe it's changed already, but I saw them saying, "I know that memo that went out that wasn't that wasn't that was miscommunication." It looks like we're not being able to, but we'll keep you updated. I don't know. Yeah,
0: well, we're gonna train for uh, August and September, regardless, aren't we?
1: this is the first one I feel confident saying. Go all out for train this. Put this in stone on your on your calendar and work towards it. Because if it doesn't happen, you're it's close enough to the real race that will happen that it has not hurt you. It's set you up well.
0: Well, and there's also a point too, like if you're just in this no man's land doing whatever you feel like for too long, you actually will lose some top end like fitness. Like if you just sit there and plot along and do recovery runs for too long, or you take too many days off in between runs for too long, that come back to top level fitness is going to take a little longer. So regardless of that race happens or not, like it's time to actually build some real like sharp, hot, spicy, solid fitness because you don't want to get too far away from it because from people who've stepped away and gotten back into it, you know how hard it is to get back into that race feeling shape.
1: As a lot of people know, I'm a big fan of uh, combat sports and all the time you see fighters go through like this 9, 11, 13 week camp and then someone doesn't make weight or someone gets injured or something happens in the fight doesn't happen and they turn around and book another fight for like nine weeks later and they show up to this the best version of them they've ever been and it's because they went through like a full dress rehearsal and yeah they didn't get to fight but they didn't get out of shape they turned right back around without taking any damage from a fight or in our case a race and got right back into training again and it's just the best test run for a buildup you can do is to do a real buildup. I don't think anyone will regret getting to West Virginia in great shape and then it doesn't happen
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a good point actually. And I think the last thing that maybe we should just touch on with this is I believe it was very early of May, so six weeks ago we did a time trial episode. Do you think that the that has a place now? How would you infuse those into this? Would you time trial right away, or would you just get to work and time trial later? I'm always a
1: fan of time trialing right before a block starts up again, and then I time trial again two weeks out or a week out from my race.
0: So even if you time trialed the first two weeks of May when we were talking about this and we saw a lot of people time trialing, it might only be four weeks ago. Would Uh, you still say? Then I might time
1: trial halfway through this block if you just did one. But if you haven't in four or five, maybe six weeks, I would do it either right now leading into a down week or coming off your down week. I really don't care. It's almost, I like to do it going into a down week time trial. But there's something to be said for getting there fresh and then... I don't think it matters either way, but uh, if you haven't in the last six weeks, for sure, I would do it. And if you've done it within four or five, then spread it out a little bit. Do it at the end of your first little mini build in this block.
0: Yeah, I think you should. I I think I'm going to time trial twice before West Virginia. Um, I think there's enough time to do that with relative certainty. I'm taking a deload week this week. I'll time trial about two weeks into my running and build, and then I'll do it about two or three weeks out from West Virginia. That'll be the plan.
1: For beasts like this, I generally do a 5k and then I do my nine mile hilly time trial.
0: Yeah. Something with some uh, terrain change. Yeah. Two weeks
1: out from the race, I do my um, two to two and a half weeks out. I do my my nine mile route where I'm going to hammer for an hour and then I have tons of time to recover before race day. And then seven to 10 days out, I do my 5k time trial.
0: Hmm. All right. So... I think we covered all of that. We're not—we're a little shy of an hour, which isn't our mo. But I think we said what we need to say. Uh, I do think we should touch on one quick thing, though. Okay. okay. And we chatted about this just before we started recording, but it's about the—I think we should just address the most recent review that we had come in.
1: Yeah, let's do that.
0: That uh, was still was very positive, and we're happy to have that review. But I think we just wanted to clear the air on on it a little bit, right?
1: Yeah. Well, I think it's important that people know we read your feedback. All your messages that you send, we read. Your comments you leave on the post, we read. And we read the feedback and the reviews on the podcast itself. And we use it to drive our future content. You've seen that with a lot of our topics. They're directly user submitted. And we got our first, what I would say is negative review. We got one other prior that said sometimes there's too much jargon. And it's hard for, a. I think the person said, an old first-time runner to keep up. And we've tried to take that into consideration since then and redirect people back to our jargon episode, our terminology episode, and then also try to be a little bit more watered down in some of our terms. But now this most recent one was interesting. It's a great podcast and everything, but constantly talking about how you run 515 and five minute miles is what what was the term? A thirst trap.
0: A bit of a thirst trap. Yeah, I chuckled when I read it.
1: So I, I looked that up kirk and uh, thirst trap is a sexy photo posted on social media to attract attention it can also refer to a person considered sexy a social media crush i don't think that part's important although yes, kirk, i think you i think you hit that criteria
0: Oh, shucks. but
1: uh, something posted to attract attention and i really think that that's worth talking about because we do constantly talk numbers and training mm-hmm. and to people who don't know us or aren't as familiar in the running world, they might look at that is not so humble bragging that we're throwing out times to look at me. And we should, I think people should know the reason why we actually constantly throw out times when we talk.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, we had actually like, what, maybe a 10 minute conversation about this Yeah, we did enough. Um, And actually I think to be fair, we throw out we throw out pacing and time so nonchalantly because we don't know any different. We've lived the lives we've lived and looked through our eyes and trained the way we have our whole lives, and so we we're so dialed into our training that we say it passively without meaning anything. But this review really brought back to center for me, Bracken, the fact that not everybody has the background we has. Not everybody they can't even relate to the pacing we're talking about, and they can't understand you know why it would be even relevant to bring up.
1: Mm-hmm. you know, where
0: we're at. And so I actually appreciated it, to be honest, because um, it brought up a good point that maybe we're, other listeners are thinking, like, I'm sick of you guys talking about being fast or sick of you talking about, you know, like... I'm not there, so how can I relate? You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, it's a good point. And and anytime numbers are used, it's really easy to look at it. But I don't look at this any differently than an accountant talking numbers or a mathematician talking numbers or a scientist talking equations. Like Numbers are the bread and butter of what runners do. The only way we judge progress are through numbers. And the big point I want people to take away, and I'm not preaching at the person who left this because I am the believer that if one person says it, 100 people think it. So the the concept is that no one's number matters or is superior outside of world records because it's all just relative. When I talk about my numbers, what a lot of people probably don't realize is that when I say it, I have this like little bit of a hitch in my mind when I say it because I've spent my entire running career not being the fastest person in my sport. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, for example, there's this guy I run with John DeWitt who was at your alma mater. And we would do this workout, and I've talked about this before, where he would do in and out thousands. He'd do a 1,000 faster than marathon pace and then a 1,000 slower than marathon pace, on and off, on and off. And his on would be 4.48, and his off would be like 5.06, something oh, like that. Or maybe it was half marathon pace he was going in and out from. And I would run his workout at 5.06 pace on his offs. That was my on. I'd run a 1,000 with him, and then I'd jog during his next 1,000 because he's getting it done in under three minutes. So I was doing 1,000 meters at 5K pace for me with three-minute jog recovery, which is a, a pretty spicy workout. Mm-hmm. But his pacing me for my 1,000s on was his 1,000 off. So when I'm talking like, hey, I just ran this workout at 5.06 pace, I'm saying it with some embarrassment in my voice. But to someone whose 5K pace is nine minutes, they're like, this douchebag is bragging again. And yet that doesn't cross our mind because every level you're at, you're staring at the level above you where I'm t- John's talking about 4:48 for for this workout. And the top female runners in this nation might scoff at him. I don't know if you saw there was this um, runner and I'm blanking on her name. I wish I could give her a proper shout out. Maybe we'll add it to the show notes, uh, but she just did a five K time trial and she yeah. got pumped for it and people showed up to watch her and she had a, her husband's buddy filmed it and live streamed it and it took off and she ran 15.04 uh, with a guy pacing her because she couldn't find any women around her fast enough. And she ran 15.04.
0: Minute PR. Do you know that? That was crazy. To a 15.04
1: woman, our 5.15 interval pace is a joke because she was just running 450 pace basically. Mm -hmm. So it's all relative. And that's what I want people to realize that no number matters other than is your number better than yours used to be. And the reason I talk about numbers so much is because I feel like it lends credence to what what we're talking about, not because our times make us someone you should listen to, but the times that we're talking about correlate to the topics where if you guys all know by now, Kirk and I run seven to eight minute pace on our easy days and we run five minute to 520 pace on our fast days or sometimes under. But what that shows is the relationship between our paces. And that's what we're trying to drive home is we can train at eight minute pace and race at five minute pace. And that's okay. So if you race at eight minute pace, it's okay to go jog at 10 minute pace. That's still making you a better athlete. Or showing that I did a, a one hour time trial at, at six minute pace. So I do my tempos at 540 to six minute pace. We're showing the relationship and the correlations more than we're showing, check me out how fast I am.
0: Comparison is kind of the root of all evil And and anytime that paces are talked about It's to show perspective On the point we're trying to get across And as you mentioned the The only thing that matters Is comparing you to you I actually have this talk a lot with my clients. In fact, I suggest like social media detoxes for some of them because they'll start sending me screenshots of a sexy girl with a tan and a bikini and say, this is the body I want. And they get all obsessed with these Photoshopped images. And I say, hey, like you, I'm not going to prescribe you to like eat less. I'm not going to prescribe you to work out more. I'm going to prescribe you to stop going on Instagram like that's Mm. And so we're kind of we're kind of trying to get across the fact that um, no braggadocious. It's only. It's only for perspective. And so I guess we just want you know, to take it like take it to heart. That's it. There's yeah. no intention behind any of that. Yeah,
1: And realize that Kirk and I have been soundly beaten in every single race we've run for like the past <laughs> three years outside of some local races. Kirk, have you won a national series race?
0: No, sir, I have not. Do you, you know do? that I
1: haven't? I, we, we don't have that under our belt. And all of our friends are as fast or faster than us. Not all, but most of them. Our buddies on the circuit are generally better than us. And we wouldn't dare, (laughs) Brig, because we're going to catch so much flack for it on the back end.
0: For example, like I I ran my 5K time trial in 1558 and Woodsy's remark is, ah, looks like I have plenty of time to, you know, eat junk food and drink beer before I have to get in shape. Perspective. He thinks that my 5K time trial is a joke because he could do it in his sleep. And that's the kind of you know ribbing that we give one another.
1: Mm-hmm. So I guess yeah. our takeaway here is two things, at least for me, I don't want to speak for you, Kirk, but the first one Well, I know
0: this one got under your skin just a little bit more than me. I
1: don't think it got under my skin, but it made me realize that we might be putting off the wrong vibe at times. And like we named this podcast, The Running Public, Not on Accident. Right. This was your idea, this name. For the record, Kirk came up with this name, I did not. I had different names and that's some pretty sweet ones, I thought. Oh, garbage ones. As soon as he said it, I realized this is that that nails it because this is the running public, the greater community of runners. This is not a podcast aimed at elite athletes. It's not a podcast aimed at pros. It's not a podcast aimed at obese runners. It's everyone from both ends of the spectrum. The general public makes up this podcast. And I got concerned when I read that review that we might be unintentionally alienating the general public by talking times. However, I'm not going to stop talking times. I want people to understand why I do talk times. It's because I want everything to be open, unshrouded by mystery. We talked about it on the nutrition episode. Like we don't want there to be secrets, but the only way to talk in absolutes is to talk in timing. However, I think it showed that I need to be a little bit better at changing not only just talking about my times, but talking about some of my athletes' times, talking about some of my friends' times, running the spectrum. If we do need to talk to the general public, we need to talk in times that hit everyone at their level as well.
0: You know, we got a couple of inquiries now, I would say over the last month or so, Uh, people asking if we could highlight like very specific for the open class or the age group. Uh, or competitive wave athletes. Um, Anything specific for those competitors. And, you know, we do highlight a number of top end athletes, because I feel like, you know, we like to learn from them and hear their story and things like that. But if you guys have if there's like a representative of either the age, the open or the age group, that might have some good insight to share with our listeners we would love for you to send that person to us so we could get them as one of our Friday interviews on the podcast. Somebody that can look through the lens of um, not the elite athlete would be really nice. And so send somebody our way that you think would be helpful that way. I'm sure a couple people come to mind when you think of that, and that's on our to-do list. So send us a message with that. Or reach out yourself if you think you're the candidate.
1: Kirk, I reached out to our first age group athlete. Oh, you You did? All
0: right. No, I did not. Who did you reach out to? Uh,
1: Oh, I can't announce that. I don't want to ruin the the surprise. But um, he said he is going on vacation this week and we can't make times work. But coming off of that, he's happy to come on and talk about his journey and the things he's doing as a master's athlete to stay dominant.
0: Mm, I know who this is now, and I actually am oddly excited for this interview to potentially happen.
1: As am I. So anyways, thank you for your feedback please keep sending the feedback because we will always use it to make it. And again, like this name is definitely reflective of what we want the podcast to be. We want it to be a reflection of every one of the listeners, not just the people who can break 16 minutes in a 5k. Like we don't want to start doing that. So keep it coming and we're going to keep trying to make it better.
0: Yep. Well said. So uh, we got some races. We're going to keep reminding you guys of this um, I know most of you don't got shit to do on the 4th of July what weekend. What else do you have to do? If you think you do, you're lying to yourself. And you know what? You got some beer drinking to do. We got you covered. You got family time? Fine. Get your ass up earlier and do it or bring the family along. Heck, my sister and all of her college roommates are getting together to do the beer mile because they just miss each other and want to have a good time. Like, this is a, this is a reason to get together with your friends. Hey, 10's allowed these days, folks. Get your buddies together. Have a beer mile. Be miserable together. Clean each other's throw up and laugh about it later. You know, like that. this is here to make like a memory. And again, I know you got shit going on 4th of July weekend. So sign up.
1: There are three races that I always do on 4th of July. In the past, it was the Firecracker. Mm Mm-hmm. There's Firecracker Five Miler. They have a, t- a 5K, I believe, as well, or a two mile race. Outside of that, there is um, a Fourth of July race in Lake Geneva that I always used to do. But the most recent years, I've been doing my Fourth of July, uh, what is it, One Mile for Freedom, Freedom One Mile Road Race. It, it's got a lot, it's like a 10. 10-
0: that doesn't have a ring to it at all.
1: Just no, saying. it's like let freedom ring a one mile road race or something, but it runs through this tiny little Wisconsin town and I do it every summer. Guess what? None of those races are happening and I know it's the same for everyone. So why not get out there, earn your 4th of July binge session you're about to have at a barbecue.
0: So I agree with you. My question is, am I allowed to compete and win prize money being one of the hosts of this Bracken?
1: You are absolutely allowed to compete and the rules don't have any stipulations against you earning the prize money. What I would say is that if, since I'm doing the beer mile, if I was healthy, when I won it, I would probably be choosing a random person and giving my prize money back to the public. But that's just because I'm an altruistic, bald fellow who likes to give back. I I can't speak for what you're going to do, Kirk.
0: I think you're full of shit. I think you take it. Well, right now it's like 12 bucks. No one's signing up. (laughs) It's a little more than that. All right. Well, I guess maybe some people have to chime in. I think if I pay my money, I sign up, I work hard, I beat Mark Godet, Rich Ryan, Forrest Bogue, that, that is mine, that I've earned it.
1: Now, is it Bogue or Bouge? I've always I said think,
0: I think it's Bogue. I don't like it. <laughs> take it up with Forrest's grandfather. <laughs>
1: All right. Yes, you are allowed to take your money. You can do that. Take your, you know, if you earn it, you keep it. And hey, then we'll brag. Then we'll come on here and we'll beat our chess.
0: You know where that money's going to go? It's going to go back to paying for our Squadcast server. It's going to go back into paying for our website. It's going to go back. I haven't in- <laughs> even,
1: I haven't even sent you our bills from the website that I've been building. Yeah,
0: this is. I'm not going to like be going out and buying bottles of whiskey or like you know anything frivolous with this. Is going to go back into the podcast. So. That's right. Um, all right, I think we've jabbed enough, man.
1: Uh for the po- the website, just wetting their whistle. I have fully finished the podcast section of the website.
0: Yeah, you guys don't have access to our new website. It's going to be sweet. We're going to have gear. We're going to have all sorts of sweet stuff for you.
1: So all I have left to build is the the coaching part and the the gear section. The, the, the hardest part, which is the podcast importing and all that, the landing page, the links, everything is all set.
0: Yep. You're going to have uh, conjoined coaching options to be coached uh, for a lesser cost but still very effective training by Bracken and I collectively. And then we're going to have more customized – Options where you can pick your coach uh, for a higher cost, but very focused training. Uh, all that stuff is just taking time to roll out in our busy lives. But I'm very it's looking pretty though. That. Oh yeah, I can't. I wait
1: went on this website, time. and I paid a day fee. I got a, I bought a day pass so I could download all these professional images and use them without any blowback. And whew,
0: looking good, Kirk. Getting spicy. Yeah. Well, we got what we got about 45 minutes of relevant content, and then about 20 minutes of just. Just banter, and I say uh, that's good enough for today. Let's call it. Let's call it.